Welcome to Tilt Talk Radio. Today we're going to talk alfalfa in our spotlight. We'll take a look at Corteva unveiling four new prote- crop protection products. Egg History Minute, we'll look at alfalfa. Cool Beans, that's corny. We'll have some current events and we'll wrap things up with a Feel Good Friday. With me today are Bill Schomburg. Hey guys. Max Garvey. What's up everybody? Todd Schomburg. Hey to all the Tilties out there. And I'm Matt Brueger, all with Tilth Agronomy. So a top of the morning to you all here on this St. Patrick's Day. All the snakes are on the way out of Ireland. Friday, St. Paddy's Day is pretty, it's going to be wild, right, Max? Do you go out for St. Paddy's? You'd be the only one of uh, not, not child having age that would... Be partying on a Friday <laughs> night. Uh, sometimes, well, some years. I think Saint he's Patty's okay, you should have. Ch- yes. Okay. Did, did Freedom die? The Duck Creek Green. Today? Yeah, I think Duck Creek Green is on, is green all on its <laughs> own. Um, we will not be going out tonight. Okay. I don't think. Well, I don't know. Things happen, but that, that's definitely a yes, then, right, yeah. guys? <laughs> yep. If it's not a hard no at <laughs> right. ten thirty in the morning, it's probably not a no. But I, as of right now, I don't have any plans to go out. We have One to phone call could change that. Yeah, we do have to wrestle tomorrow morning, so I'm like, I uh, probably should take her easy, but, you know. I suppose, Todd, you don't have your normal corned beef and cabbage. No, we're doing it on Saturday. You so it Saturday. Yep. yep. So, someone tried to tell me we got a pardon that we could have meat today for us. Is that, is that for real or not? I don't know. Someone was saying that to me, and I'm like, I don't, I didn't hear Like, anything. just specifically corned beef was that pardoned. That happens maybe. a lot, though, doesn't it, every year? Like, does the Pope do it, or <laughs> who does it? Catholicism's getting a little loose with the rules. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, nope, this is 2017. I'm trying to find the uh, actual thing that says we can. Um, yep. We do Cardinal Dolan. Cardinal Dolan. So one Cardinal Lent, said. Lenten loophole for St. Patrick's corned beef. <laughs> you can't have any other meat, just, just corned, corned beef. beef. Well, this is, this is the Archbishop. Of New York. As I say, this one specifically says only New York Catholics get okay. <laughs> yeah. So I every other yeah, Catholic. That's why, that's why I said I don't know because I didn't hear anything from the Diocese of Green Bay, and that's who like would do our pardon, basically. So every, why, why doesn't it just go right to the Pope? Yeah, he can't I don't know. rule down and... I don't know what to tell you there. Maybe because they don't celebrate St. Sure, Patrick's Day in Rome? Pretty sure Jesus ate corned beef on yeah. St. Yeah. Patty's. Maybe so. it's because there's... Protestant Irish and Catholic Irish, and they don't want to intermingle. Sure. Anyway, I we'll see. We'll see. Might just be fish at the hotel tonight. I don't know. That's pretty that's good. good. It's too. never a bad. It's never a bad Friday night fish at the hotel. So nope. Wonder if Aaron Rodgers is having corned beef today mm. in New York. He could. <laughs> yeah. I don't even know if he's Catholic or not, but he, he could. He probably doesn't eat meat. Weirdo. I, it's like cheese. It'll, yeah, it'll hurt his bo- his poor little body. Dairy. He's very sensitive now at his old age. He's probably in a dark room just eating corned beef and Plus, cabbage. Plus, technically, hasn't, isn't he going to get traded to the New Jersey Jets, not the New York Jets? Yeah. So, I like the memes oh, going around. they're in New Jersey now. Yeah, yeah. I like the memes well, going so around. Well, so is the New York his... Giants. They're also in New Jersey because they yeah. use the same stadium. Yep. And his Winnipeg Jets jersey. I thought that was pretty yeah. clever. Yep. The wrong Jets. Yeah. This has been hard, though, watching. Like, all of us that lived through the Favre thing, it's the same. 
so we've seen this divorce before like mom and dad are fighting again and right right but the irony like oh man the irony is like he was on the other end of that and it right. still ended up the same way right it's not like i'm not going to do this because that's what brett did it's like nope i guess i'm just i get it now i'm going to do what brett did so now he's going to have to have a daughter and probably have to take some welfare money from california state yeah he's going to have to send out a picture of his little cheese head yeah. Yeah. I think Favre just wanted to play. I think Rodgers wants to control everything. Like I how it goes down, when it goes down, everything. He's more about the control. Roger or Favre just wanted to play. So how how much credit do you give to what Rodgers said that at this point the only thing holding up the deal is the Packers getting what they want? No. I think it's 100% right that that the Packers want too much, which they should want. He's a lot. not worth anything. That's yeah, the problem. I, I would agree, but like Rogers is just trying to hold out for his new team. Like that's the part I in this divorce is like Rogers is trying to get more than his half in the deal, and it's like, what do you have to do with the deal? It's between these two teams, not it. Uh, obviously, not he has worth Max because they wouldn't well, try to take him if he didn't. He's 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 worth a lot to another team. He's not worth anything in capital. That's the problem. Like he's not he's his contract is huge. He's old, and he's only got one year left yeah, on his current deal. He said he's not going to play the way as long as Brady. So he's already, you know, ended his contract like maybe two years, maybe. What changed? Like literally we renewed our vows like a year ago because like March 15th last year is when Rogers re-signed the contract. And like a year later, we didn't. They said it like, was like a it was three, like both one party, year deal. It, it was, you're right. But it just still seems like what were the Packers thinking and him really thinking? I mean, we had an okay season with him, I guess, but he never still they really had, seemed. They had to been it. thinking Jordan Love needs one doing, more. Maybe I, that has to be what it was. Jordan Love needs one more, and we can get something out of Rodgers if we resign him versus if we just let him walk. But they would have got him a lot more out of him last year. They would have. They would. Right. He would have like the Broncos gave up like yeah, five at, picks of for three Russell players. Wilson. Yeah, you got to remember the, but the, Wilson's a lot younger too. That, yeah, that's true. Yeah. And the Packers, they don't care about being. I hate to say it, but we're okay being mediocre as long as we're never in the t- in the tank. Yeah, right. So you think that's their idea? Those like that's what gets butts in seats is always being yes. good, yes, and never you, being terrible. Yes. So is that right. even a question? Yes. Do you well, watch the way they manage no, a team? Like right. it's like oh, I mean, we were pretty young in the eighties, but look yeah, at the 80s. right. right. They, they don't want that. Right. That's that's the exactly. only goal. They don't care if we go eight and eight the next twenty five years as long as we don't go four and twelve. Yeah. For two well, years now, it's one. four. It'd be like four and thirteen now. But you know what I'm saying. <laughs> Always have a chance for the playoffs, right? Right. right. And they manage. They manage accordingly. The way it looks to Which me. Which, in a way, when you're in Green Bay, Wisconsin, and not really on the map, we don't want to become like just this nowheresville that yeah. nobody wants to come to. So I sort of understand that. Well, in every every couple of years, you know, they hit. Or they do, you know, on every right now it looks like every fifteen years they get a franchise quarterback in the right position with the right guys around them. They hit a home run, they win a Super Bowl, and then you wait fifteen years. You know, that kind of seems to be the the plan. So, in five years, Jordan Love is a total beast. We got the right pieces around him, and he wins one. Like yeah. that's just. I, I think the Packers are fine where they are. I don't really think Aaron Rodgers. I think Aaron Rodgers I, did more damage to New York than he did to the Packers, just because New York. Has this deal out on the table now, so everybody knows they the, want him. 
No, they said all the fans now basically are yeah, like yeah. expecting yeah. it. So now like, if it New doesn't happen, screwed. Like, like, I'd, if I was New York, I'd be kind of pissed at Rodgers right now for riling everybody up because now what's the, the Packers have already made cap moves. They've restructured. They've done all these things. They could sit them on the bench. I mean, it would right, suck. Could, right. It, it would affect it, our... It's actually the cheapest. Right. If we keep them. Because right now, if they get rid of him before June 1st, his cap hit is worse than if they wait until after. Yeah. Wait, well, there's so there, that too, that there's also a number today that if we traded him by the end of the day today, we could save like... It was like only like four or five million, but four or five million is a lot of money like on a team that's already like flirting with the cap pretty heavily. So I, I think the Packers are sitting in a position where they're going to do whatever works for them. They're not going to give him up for less than what they want. They want and yep. they're just going to have to wait for the public pressure now that's added to whatever ownership pressure the GM yep. for the Jets had to say, just get this done. And, and after the debacle the Jets had last year, I think they probably, they're probably they probably trying to play hardball and hold out. They can't afford to, though. Right. So Even if they draft a quarterback with pick 13 in the first round. They're not ready. Who's their starter? Zach Johnson? Zach, yeah, Wilson. Or Zach Wilson? Yeah. Well, and Zach Wilson said, too, like, whoever, did you read his quote? Like, whoever comes to camp with me, you know, yeah, if they, they're going to have to really work hard. If they, sign, if they sign a veteran quarterback, I'm going to make his life a living hell, yeah, was the exact was. quote. Yeah. Which, okay, good luck. Yeah. yeah. And they've been, I mean, they signed Lazard, and they signed a couple linemen now because their line wasn't very good. So, I mean, they're setting it up, like, to have an offense because obviously their defense is really and good they're, and they're really not paying anybody um like right. on their defense like their defense is a lot of young guys good deals like they can't afford to have a top five defense again with an offense that's in the bottom five and one article i read too said like right now new york is looking at going from a f- kind of a flop to a super bowl contender potentially with a veteran quarterback, you know. So, what is that worth to a team? Not not just in you know picks or whatever, but you know that's what they have to consider. Whereas the Packers know what they've got and are sitting comfortable at quarterback. All they really needed last year was an average quarterback, like just right, yeah. not a screw up, and they would have been really hard to beat. And they're going to basically add. I think Aaron Rodgers is still probably is an elite quarterback when he wants to be, and I think in a better situation for him, and in a situation he's more comfortable with or that he wants, I think probably is still an elite quarterback. So, yeah, they're going to be – they could potentially be really hard to beat. But they got to get the deal done first, so. Yeah, we'll see what happens. It may not be before the draft even. No. It's crazy to me how football can be relevant. In March, when yeah. there's basketball going on, and like the all biggest this other part stuff. of the basketball season yeah. is going on, yeah. All right, you guys ready to get into our topic for today? Yep, yep. So, Bill, you wanted to talk alfalfa. What do you got for us? Yeah, I was um, thinking the other day. I was driving around, watching it rain, which yeah, is never good, right? It was that February. 28th, March 1st, we got a nice little rainstorm, and I looked it up, and in Green Bay, they got an inch and a quarter in like a seven-day stretch there of late February, early March. So kind of driving around looking at all these this water standing in hay fields, and I kind of recalled about some of these questions that farmers ask that you just never know how to answer because you don't know unless you could see the future. Like... When should I buy fertilizer? 
what's the fertilizer price going to do? Kind of same with grain markets. Like, when should I market my, my corn? I don't know. What's the market going to do, right? What's your favorite, like, come back to all the, like, I'll get my crystal ball out and tell you, right. you know, like. And I'm not trying to be like, smug or stupid about it. No. It's just, it's just I, a really hard question to answer because, well, for one, we, we're not market experts and. Everybody's situation is, but let's be real. Even the market experts don't know for sure. Like it's all of this, you know, or the other comment, like, "Oh, if I knew that, I wouldn't be here. I'd be in Vegas." You know, like that's my normal answer. Is like, "Hey, what's the market gonna do, buddy? If I knew that, I'd be shooting elk right now, not working. So I'd be, I'd be be in Montana chasing elk up a mountain, on a beach somewhere. Yeah, yeah. So those are always the. You're right. The the questions of you struggle because you almost have to say, like, right off the bat, just say, this is my opinion. Disclaimer, or, right? Yeah. There's always a disclaimer. Like, you know, there's, like, a fine print you got to say very quickly. Like, due to unforeseen for circumstances, we may or may not know what the alfalfa is going to do this coming spring. Just got to know if black swan season is opening. It's, that's, that's like, the most overused term, I black feel like, swan. this last year. Like, black swan events. Yeah. Like ever since COVID, we've had so many black swan events. Like, well, at a certain point, is it not? Isn't it no longer a black swan event? It's just like it's part of the normal. It's a, it's a regular swan event, right? It's just an event. It's just an event. Uh, a swan event at the Swan Club. Ooh. I th- I think the two you said already, Bill, fertilizer and grain markets. We know a little bit about to have an opinion, but not enough to have. It's like a, da- like, we're like dangerous, right? In a way, I mean, we can tell guys what we would do or what we think but i always have both ways i've had it where guys have told them to buy for it or not you know just say hey i would do it right now or not and they've done both ways and either way they're always mad at me no matter what because i think part of it you just need somebody to be like ah man this you're just they're just trying to work through the pain of what happened and it sucks it just sucks whereas like the how's the alfalfa looking like that is our job to know that yeah but, but at the same time, we can't. I've seen some falls and springs where you're like, "Oh, alfalfa will be fine," and it wasn't. Right. And I've seen some where, like, "Oh my god, everything's gonna be dead," and then it looked dead and looked dead, and all of a sudden, came it back. came back alive, yeah. like kind of just. And that that's the question that I get. That I like you like you said, Todd. You should know the answer because that's your wheelhouse, right? But you don't know till it greens up, and. And we I always, was feeling pretty good, even though the lack of snow we had, I was feeling pretty good. And I made a trip north last week, and there's still a lot of snow up there, so they're probably sitting really good. But do you guys think the? I was watching driving around Tiltward headquarters seems to be the line yep. actually about like it fifty is. Highway fifty four north of that. There's parts of Pulaski quite a bit more. Of. Okay, they yeah. less snow because like you go to Freedom, pretty, yeah, and it's less snow like. Because I was like, oh, our hayfields will be fine. And then I, as you further go south, like your stomach starts to go in more knots. And like, see, that well, I come yeah, that way every day, right. Todd. You so know? you so, come from the worst to the best. Yeah. And, not best. And that's what kind of got better. me thinking about this was like, oh, well, these things are pretty good. And then this rain at the end of February, early March, I, you just, there's water everywhere in fields. And then I'm like, ooh, now I don't feel so good. Because like at Forge Council, when was that like? February 9th or something. Yeah. You, well, yep. A couple of farmers came up to me asking. And I'm like, oh, I think we're fine yet, but we got a long ways to go. And then like two weeks later, I'm like, ooh, I don't like this anymore. Well, 
I mean, at least the upside is there's really not much frost in the ground anymore, so it's going into yeah. the, infiltrating into the tiles soil. are running. Tiles are it's, running. Yep. The water is moving. That we had that conversation with a lot of farms because a lot of people upset that snowmobile trails never opened. Not anybody on this podcast. Yeah. I hope. And <laughs> no, I may have had a talk with a club uh, president yeah. yesterday. <laughs> told him when I thought of his decision. No, I. Yeah. Anyway, but but the reason they didn't open is because they knew underneath wasn't froze. It's soft. So places that did open trails, they were trashed within a day or two because there's nothing. There's no base underneath of, of frozen ground. So that is tricky. Is hopefully the water we did get did move off your field within a couple of days and yeah. you should be okay then. But that is something to kind of keep watching. And I don't know that I ever get too super excited about like really cold temperatures because we don't. Uh, we've had a couple years like we, I forget what year it was where we had like thirty below for like twenty straight days. Yeah, but normally we don't get this that year. Cold. I would be more worried about that December really windy cold. Sure, stretch of like forty eight hours. The reason you're like December cold usually doesn't matter, but I've never had a cold drive. Like people were getting frozen pipes and frozen, you know, like in barns. Yeah, right. because it was Christmas. like right, Christmas because was it was crazy. like a driving cold that like somehow pushed into things because of that wind. So I wonder if that won't hurt our heat. Like having that be a start off at that time. Usually the haze still got a lot of carbohydrates in the roots and is doing okay. So most of the time, December, January, you're okay. And then you get into February, March, it's tricky because they're just running out of reserves down there to keep them going. I always think it comes down more to moisture than temperature. Yeah. Like, that's the Yeah, and we'll get into, I mean, that. like, we're, you know, we're going back and forth here about just alfalfa, but we're, the point was here just to get into, like, how does alfalfa get ready for winter? What affects winter in injury? And that's one of the big ones, Max, is, is soil moisture. Here's a good cut. Do you guys think it is winter kill, or we should call it spring kill? Spring, spring kill. kill. Spring. Yeah. 100%. Or like, fall. I could say fall kill. You know, if you I go in think, really, really wet, yeah. yeah. No, I, I I hate the term winter kill because I don't think winter kills it. It's no. coming out of winter. It either comes out of dormancy a little bit and then gets hammered, or it does, it's, it's most of the time more so what happens in late February, March, April, than the dead of winter really doesn't matter. So, yes, I think we should call it spring kill as well. Yeah. Halloween kills? Second exactly. winter? Well, I think about That's that. movie. <laughs> you think about when we get those big rains, you know, during harvest, and we're like, oh, we made ruts. Well, they're standing water and all that hay, and then it freezes. Well, I think that's probably more detrimental to it than what well, happened. But even in, think back to, like, 2018, 2019, when we had those record rains, like how bad the alfalfa was. Right, and that wasn't winter kill. That was saturated soils going in. And maybe fall. you say that way too. It's not even winter or spring kill. It's just wet kill. It, yeah. January yeah. and February don't seem to be, or de- December, January, February don't seem to be the the drivers with this problem. It's no. more the little after and little before. So alfalfa has to do a couple of things to get ready for winter. So a couple of things that it does do, and Todd, you talked about the sugars. And that's that's that whole cutting time frame, right? When to advise to cut and not. We'll get into that in a minute, but we gotta get sugars to accumulate in the cells and that lowers freezing point. The actual cell membranes become more fluid, if you will, and that kinda helps it 
function better at cold temperatures, and then the cells actually lose water. So that's the most important way is it, it just flat gets rid of the water, as much water as it can so it doesn't freeze. And alfalfa can tolerate, you know, soil temps 5 to 15 degrees. But if there is any water in those cells at that point, they can freeze and crystallize, which that's probably the worst thing, right? I mean, you get cell bursting. Cell bursting. So all those contents, when it does break dormancy, leaks out, and then we have the... And that's probably where, Todd, your real winter injury comes is when that cold temperature is, and it maybe didn't do what it was supposed to do exactly in the fall to get rid of some of that water, and then you do have freezing. Um, but what I was most worried about driving around a couple of weeks ago was the ice sheeting, mm-hmm. you know, and that kind of prevents air exchange between the crowns. And what happens then is metabolites like ethanol and methanol and lactic acid accumulate, and then that's when the, the issues come. We can tolerate it for about three weeks, but if it goes longer than that, then we have an issue. So that's kind of where that whole the ice sheeting comes from is just an exchange of oxygen to be able to keep it alive and not hold on to those metabolites like ethanol. It's a good point of what the saturated soils, the problem is, is both on top when you get ice sheeting, you're cutting off oxygen and making it anaerobic. And then also below the soil too, you're making that anaerobic, right. which is bad as well. So it, it it you think of the water being a problem from a just because the water sort of rots it or something like that, but it it really is just the lack of oxygen is more the problem than the water. So say you got tile in the field and your tiles are running well, that probably can get the air movement. Yeah, still and the and, coolest like my personal experience I had was actually on Max's family's farm was that farmer. Was that tiled heavily, Max? No. No, And but next to his farm, it, <laughs> it is tiled heavily, and it was like eighth-year hay. Now, granted, was it like eight plants per square foot? No, it was like three, but they were just these robust, beautiful alfalfa plants. And that, that's underwater for like all the time. Nine months out of it's 12. Next it's to underwater. the Duck Creek. It's terrible. And but it's tiled, so it was firm. It firmed up faster. And that spring, we we had to tear up Max's land because it's not tiled and it was mush. And but his older stand was was beautiful. It was better. So I I do think like we think of tile to get rid of water, but really what we got to think of is it it adds oxygen to the system in this case. So well, think about or, it. If, air, it has an air, if your yeah. soils are saturated, those soil pores aren't filled with air, oxygen; right. they're filled, filled with, with water. Yeah. So, kind of hand in hand, right? Yep. So, so what can you do to help things? Right? We there's factors that affect this. So we just talked about the state. The we're talking about an older stand. So older stands do do not winter as good as young stands. So if you if your farm has so many acres and you know half of them are younger, well then you're going to have a better chance. But if half of them are older, well then you may have a higher susceptibility to winter kill just on the age of your stands. Variety is a big issue, right? We always talk about variety and everything else. We have our maybe we need a alfalfa league <laughs> oh, for boy. different dormancy rates. Oh. Yeah. Derek's head just exploded. Uh-huh. 
So variety is a big thing, winter hardiness and disease ratings. Soil pH is another one. So if, you know, obviously there's other reasons for you want to get your soil in, in shape for uptake of nutrients, but also winter kill. Fertility, a big one there is potash. So I always tell my farmers, potash is like antifreeze. Get it out there. And that's the biggest one of the biggest factor here is Just that. put some in my truck last week. A little potash in my, my radiator. <laughs> nice. It's like antifreeze. Did it work? Yeah. Truck didn't overheat yet, so. Nice. Nice. We talked about fall soil moisture. That's another one. So getting cells dehydrated, they actually dehydrate themselves to tolerate freezing temperatures. Um, and having lower soil moisture allows them to do that. So in 18 and 19, when we had the really wet soils, plants couldn't do that. Uh, cutting management, I think this one, I don't know, I always debate this in my head because it seems like you get that adage of like, oh, I leave it in the fall and it dies anyway, and I take it and, di- and it dies. So I might as well just take it because I don't want to leave the feed out there. you know. But some of the research has shown that if you you cut in that that window of September to mid October, we get in this no man's land. And Todd, we've talked about that I think on this in the past, even about you got to have so many growing degree days left or not enough. And right. I, is it five hundred and two hundred? Yeah, two, you want either less than two hundred GDUs, and that's base forty, not like corn where you base fifty, or more than five hundred. So basically enough. And that's where these sort of, because guys ask me, well, what dates shouldn't I cut? And it, it varies, but that's where these sort of come from is, in general, you'll either get more or less than that. Do you feel this uh, no-cut window is really starting to get kind of foggy? on, Or like, there's a lot of gray area to this? Like, I feel like even, you know, five years ago, when we would talk about this in the fall, it felt like a really hard and fast rule. In the last year or two, it seems like we've been a little more like, uh, yeah, it doesn't seem like those numbers are as hard and fast as they used to be. Well, it, I think it's more just the weather pattern. Right. You're not, you don't know how many growing degree units you're going to get. So you're always kind of taking that risk of, you know, all of a sudden we get like two years ago when we had 70 degree day in November, you know, a few of them in a row. That's a lot growing degree units that you weren't expecting in the late season that might kind of screw up that dormancy and make things move a little differently. I do remember Grandpa saying, never cut alfalfa in a month that ends in ER. In ER? October, November, December. May, June, July, August. Don't cut in September, September. October, November. So Grandpa was making three cuttings of alfalfa? Probably. Well, it was yeah. probably mostly Timothy and <laughs> yeah. it's probably Brome. two cutting. Yeah, so, I mean, that, t- there's Timothy, an, Brome, Clover. There is an old school thought of that, too, like... You know, that would fit into this, right? Don't cut September 1 to October 15th. That fits in that window. Obviously, you can cut after, but sometimes we don't get the weather to do that either. Um, And then snow cover. We all know that snow cover is a great insulator. So in as little as... And I think, too, looking at some of the research behind this, snow cover is just the fluctuation of temperature. Snow cover just keeps that temperature flat you know we've talked about in the past the insulatory factor of it and how it just helps control like you say bill not having where it's gonna try to break dormancy and 
get it too cold either. So it's right. both. And that we've had not a lot of up until this last month or so where we've been getting these every other week, it seems. Two, two days a week, we're going to get snow type things. We had really open December, kind of a here and there, January, February was open and warm. So yeah, we've we've been lacking that for most of the season so far. So that's kind of what affects winter injury, whether we want to call it winter injury or spring injury. Um, then what, like as agronomists now, we're going to be hopefully in a month, right? Maybe three weeks, depending on what our snow does here. We might be walking some fields already. What do we, how do we know if we have a damaged field? What are we looking for? And this is what our jobs are and what we're doing. Um, four things that we're kind of looking for is obviously slow green up. So if you got fields that are greening up faster than others, and most of the time the younger ones are greening up faster than, than the, the older ones. I think snow cover, if it's a field that had a lot of snow cover, it's probably going to green up faster than one that didn't. Um, asymmetrical growth on the, crown so you might have a side of a plant that maybe it was ran over by a truck last fall and it kind of killed that side of the plant so you may have uneven uneven growth on the shoot itself or the crown itself but then also uneven growth of the whole plant where you might have some shoots that start sooner than other shoots on the same plant so you're gonna have this uneven growth even within a plant and I've seen that where you have a couple fields that, yeah, all the stems are there, but they're three inches shorter than maybe a different field. And you're like, well, that's never going to catch up and yield what maybe a younger stand would that, that did. And, and obviously the final one that's probably the most telling is just dig. And I, I'm, a, I'm very, um, I feel like I should get the shovel out more than I do. Um, but just dig plants look at the roots, pull them apart, squeeze them. They're nice and firm and white. You're probably fine. You are fine. Sometimes um, you don't even need to dig. They no, just come if, right if you out. can pull yeah. it right out of the if ground. You can pull it out, that's bad. That's yeah. usually not a good sign. I, uh, I, I'll, I'll give you one more. The, on the years where winter kill is pretty aggressive and there's quite a bit of it, or sorry, spring kill, you can smell it. Like you get out of the truck yeah. and you start yeah. walking and you're like, Ugh. it smells like dead it's stuff. Like rot, yeah. You know, like instantly, and you're like, eh, that's not a good sign. Yeah. If it's strong enough that you can smell it, it's probably not a, oh, we can patch this in. It's probably a, eh, yeah. I probably want to let this one go. That's something I'll do with crowns even when I dig them. First thing before I even try to bust into them, see if they're white, is give them a sniff. Because if you smell that death, it's like, mm, yeah, that's not great. And yep. once you know, you know what that smell is, right? Like, Yeah, it's hard to describe, but it's... it's, it's sniff that crown. It's an easy one to know. <laughs> I like that. Did the monarchy... Sniff make the you crown. Do that? That's, that that's like the new, the new like, like bootlicker. Like you're a crown sniffer. <laughs> crown sniffer. <laughs> I'd rather sniff the crown than lick the boot. Yeah. Usually I do weird stuff like that, and I don't know that I've ever sniffed the crown. I don't think so I've, I'll have to try that. Yeah, I can't Maybe say I've specifically. So usually, usually a crown. I squeeze it. So we're know, gonna have like an episode on what weird things agronomists yeah. do to dive we'll, we'll, we'll do we'll do a blindfolded sniff test, and we'll just be like, oh yeah, that's definitely out of a heifer for sure. I'll recognize that smell anywhere. <laughs> well, and one thing, like, with digging plants is we've tried it 
like dig them now, put them in the basement. Doesn't work. Doesn't work. Like it's not. A, I still like uh, doing it. Yeah. But it. Do you remember the year I uh, pulled them for you? I pulled yeah, a bunch I, for you, Todd. I remember. And then we got that was the year we got. Like, it was like a nice spring, and then we got the thirty four inches of snow after that. Yeah. And they were all garbage. Just didn't, yeah, that didn't. They were alive before that. Yeah, they were alive that, when you dug them. That's always beautiful. a nice thing to see. Of like, okay, now you know what actually killed them. Sure. You kind of know like. Were they alive before that or not? That's why it was called spring kill. Because I, whenever I've done that, if it's early enough, there's times where it dies after that yet. So you know it wasn't oh, so, dead. And someone asked know, me last February. week if I was going to start digging uh, on a farm. He's like, "You want to dig a couple for us?" And I said, "I can," but my, my I don't think it's going to tell you anything because uh, we're a long ways away from. That's being what I always say too, Max. Is like we got a long way to go yet before we can say if we're doing good or not. And then you eat up that false hope. As, as you then watch it all day. The all one right. part I've watched is over the years when you bring them in, usually they're in, like, we'll put them in a windowsill and at 70 degrees, and you count, like, how many days it takes for it to green up. And that helps kind of know, because usually you get that early spring, you're like, gosh, these are just really slow or they're not greening up. And I've had them where they're so, they're so dormant that it just took four or five days of good heat to break that. Well, and, and we haven't had... It very warm springs the last couple of years. Not, so everything's not been slow all, to Right. Up. So that's been helpful or just sometimes makes you feel like, okay, it just takes, you know, we'll just got to be patient. If you think about it, we still have, all, there's so we got half of March basically. And then basically you got all the way through the end of April before you're really like, it really starts to before turn you really know, a, on yeah. about May 1st is when you're like, okay, I think we're in the clear. And then we're cutting on May 20th, yeah. 25th. Depends on the year, but yeah. Yeah. So you, we got a long time and a lot of a lot of really tough weather time coming yet. What we had yesterday that was not that was not ideal weather conditions. Even yesterday, what we had you called it gross. Girl, yeah, I walked outside. Well, I came to the office in the morning and it was like kind of sunny and whatever. And then sat in here most of the day and then went to leave and opened the door and just turned around and said that's gross. <laughs> and it was it was disgusting outside. <laughs> it was, but it didn't eliminate the snow cover completely. So. It, in, in some areas, though, where you didn't have snow. That's what right, where you didn't have snow. To the south of yeah. Well, and you probably you had snow. It was you also as... now have liquid water underneath your snow. Yeah. Probably. Well, I think we've had that all along because yeah. it's been pretty wet snow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's true. It, it was not. Yesterday was not what we were looking for in, in the current weather situation. Are, are we at, like, end of winter here soon, Max, what, in the what level 13? I feel, like we got one, I feel like we got one more big snap coming for us. Is it yet? Yeah, I think we got one They're more. talking snow yet next week. Yeah, yeah. see, so it's there's still one more coming. We're just going to fluctuate between 40 and 25 yeah. for the next, like, month, probably. Do you believe in the uh, three snows on a robin's tail? before? We would be there already, I think. But the robins haven't come back. So well, they're, no, they're, 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 back. they're here. Oh, yeah. I've oh, yeah, people are talking. Yeah. Ooh. I haven't seen yeah. any here. I'm I've not seen any any Robin Facebook. There was pages. one on my deck just the Ooh. other day. So okay, yeah, they're so back. one. So is that one snow on a robin's tail as of now? Got two more. Depends on if you count last night. I know. I know there is some very confused sandhill cranes. Like I've been watching those, and they look very out of place with all the snow on the ground. Yeah, there's been a lot of turkeys, sandhills. A lot of birds. The two I drove by this morning standing in the field next to the ditch in about three feet of water, two foot of water in the 20 mile an hour wind. They looked pretty chilly. Yeah. Sandhills are not snowbirds, in case you didn't know that. They're not, not, not snowbirds. Nope. So. Cool. All right.
So there you go. Some things to think about as you're watching those alfalfa plants come out of dormancy this spring. Now we'll move into our spotlight for today. So Corteva is unveiling four new crop protection products. Three are herbicides. One is a new biological, and they will be labeled for a variety of crops, including corn, soy, excuse me, soybeans, and cereals. So first in the herbicide is Inversa. It's a residual soybean solution for tough grass and broad leaves like water hemp and palmer. And will maintain crop safety through encapsulated acetylchlor. In addition to soybeans, Inversa will be labeled for a myriad of other crops, including corn, sorghum, and cotton. Herbicide is pending registration with EPA and expected in 2024. It's a proprietary herbicide from Corteva AgriScience. Herbicide will drive to the soil surface, providing several weeks of residual control and minimal crop response. Next is Tolvera, which is a cereal solution offering two modes of action, including an active ingredient that is new to the cereals market. Herbicide will control challenging weeds like kochia, Russian thistle, water hemp, green and yellow foxtail, and lamb lamb's quarter. In addition, Tolvera will produce rotational flexibility with a nine-month plant-back restriction to major crops, including lentils, peas, potatoes, and canola. Once that receives registration, it will also be expected for the 2024 season. Then they have the post-emergent corn solution, Cairo, which I think we talked about that one. We did. Before, which is a combination of three modes of action, acetochlor, topmenorazone, and clopyrrolid in one premix. can be applied up to 24 inches tall on corn and controls more than 65 grass of broad leaves. Uh, limited supply for 23 and expected to be more widely available in 24. And the biological is Utricia P. So we've had Utricia N. And now Utricia P will help growers increase their phosphorus fertilizer investment. So I'm Colin, excited about that one. So like <clears throat> uh, some biologicals, this will colonize the crop root zone and increase phosphorus access and reach throughout the growing season. Uh, will complement traditional phosphorus fertilizer and works with a wide variety of crops, including corn, soybeans, wheat, as well as potatoes, tomatoes, and strawberries. Uh, the limited supply this year and more widely available in 2024. So yeah, some interesting things coming to market there from Corteva. Now we'll move into our Ag History Minute. Continue our talk of alfalfa. We'll target that in our Ag History Minute today. Alfalfa is one of the oldest cultivated forage crops. It's thought to have originated in southwestern Asia with Iran as the geographic center of origin for alfalfa. It was first introduced to the Americans by the Spanish and Portuguese conquistadors. Meeting with idyllic conditions in Mexico and Peru, alfalfa plant thrived and spread to South America, Chile, Argentina, and finally Uruguay by 1775. Catholic missionaries brought alfalfa to Texas, Arizona, New Mexico, and California. Many areas were producing alfalfa in the southwestern U.S. by 1836. 
However, there was an introduce, introduction of the Chilean clover to California during the days of the gold rush that proved to be of major importance. In fact, cultivating alfalfa was usually a better paying enterprise than panning for gold. By late 1800s, alfalfa was grown to some extent in Montana, Iowa, Missouri, and Ohio. Although the Chilean sources of alfalfa were well adapted to the southwestern states, they lacked winter hardiness needed for successful production in the north and eastern states. Meanwhile, colonists in New England had already introduced alfalfa to their new homeland under the name Lucerne, more than 100 years before alfalfa made its important entry into California from Chile. The crop was recorded in Georgia in 1736, North Carolina in 1739, and New York in 1791. However, Lucerne was having a tough time thriving in the eastern states with more acidic soils and humidity. Cultivation of alfalfa was largely unsuccessful in Canada and the northern United States until more hardy variegated strains were introduced via a German immigrant, Wendellen Grimm, who settled in Minnesota in 1857. Grimm persevered through the substantial winter kill that several back-to-back brutal winters wrought on his crops. Through the process of natural selection as a resultant hardy strain of alfalfa was born, and his alfalfa soon advanced successful alfalfa culture in the northern states and Canada. I bet you the Chilean alfalfa was true winter kill, though. Yeah, yeah, like it just be couldn't survive the winter. <laughs> Chilean clover is that's their name for alfalfa. The Chilean clover, right. I've never yep. heard. I'm that. gonna start suggesting that. Yes. Have you guys considered Chilean clover? <laughs> How about lucerne? What's your thoughts on that, <laughs> Max? That could be like your firstborn daughter. Definitely lucerne. 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 It could be Lucy for short. I used to drive a Buick lucerne oh. and did not associate that. Yes, with alfalfa. With alfalfa you're right. So. Isn't there a lack lucerne in Wisconsin? Wasn't Peyton Manning Peyton. selling the Lucerne? He did Buick commercials. I don't know if it was. I think Shaq was in one. Shaq, Shaq was as well, yeah. Classic. Great. Thank you, Matt. And thank you to all our listeners out there. Please tell a farmer friend. That's all we ask is tell them about the podcast. You can search Tilt Talk Radio on Apple Podcasts or on Android. You need to download an app. We like the app Podcast Addict, Podbean, or Player FM. You can also listen on your computer or smartphone browser. Go to tilthegg.com slash podcast. We're now available on Amazon Music, and you can follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Tilth Talk Radio. All right. Thanks, Todd. Now we'll move into our Cool Beans. That's Corny with some current events. So Cool Beans. Cool Beans. Cool Beans. Cool Beans. Cool Beans. All right. Our Cool Beans this week. UW Farm and Industry Short Course is back. Uh, we'll have more options in 23 and 24 and is moving to River Falls. So Moo you will now be the home. Let's go, Farmer. Max. Let's go. Yeah, short, course. <laughs> short course is back. That's all. I mean. Let's go this, short course. This that's is a, that's big important. news. Yeah. yeah. Like when it was gone and I had like two farmers, like kids that were supposed to go and then. Didn't and couldn't, you know, yeah. like God, and it was just very confusing for them and frustrating. And that it's back is really cool. Farming is not like I have. I've had this talk before. Like I've I've gotten to speak at uh, career days and some stuff like that. And we've talked about like farming isn't. Like, you're not. Like, I'm doing air quote. You're not no such thing as a dumb farmer anymore, right? You're not just. No. Oh, I didn't. I didn't know what else to do, so I just decided to farm. Like. 
farming now, you have to have some education. It takes a lot to, to run the business now. And not having short course took that ability away, I think, from a lot of kids because they, they can't go for four years to Madison. They just they can't do it. They can't go to, for four years to River Falls. They need, they need the course that starts in November and ends in April. And, and, and so when not having it is really detrimental to our industry. So I'm glad to hear that it's got a new home and River Falls is a great fit. Much it, be- to it me, it's you- a much better fit than Madison. If you want to know the truth, I, as someone who's been to both River Falls and Madison, the kids that go to Short Course will fit in a lot better uh, at River Falls. Agreed. Like I think that it's why they didn't just sort of make this transition and before and have to take it away. That that's too bad. But it's awesome. It's back. I mean, this gives just another avenue of opportunity to get. I think what really helps is it gets kids off farms and meets other kids that have very much interest in farming like right. they do. Yep. Not that it, not that your FFA chapter at your local school doesn't, but it, it's it's just different. Back in the day, all your neighbors farmed, all that. Like now FFA is, isn't about that. Is I mean, it's agriculture leadership now, and that's good. It, but this is about farming, and I, that's what we need. It would be good to see it come back here. And it's starting this fall already, so we don't have to wait too long. From little little Freedom, Wisconsin, closed-minded, like the only cows you should milk should be black and white, and the only place to make milk is Wisconsin. And I went to River Falls and made friends with a kid. Friends is a loose term because we argued steady about it because he was an Ayrshire guy from Kenyon, Wanamingo, Minnesota. And like <laughs> just like those kind of relationships I think are invaluable and something that a lot of kids... That is true. The only downside of this is going to be way more Minnesota kids than what... Yep. Than yeah. what... Uh, yeah, we'll have to the reciprocity, right? We're, That's what it's called. Where they're allowed to, they come. Well, it's just closer too. It's like, closer yeah. to them. Yeah, yeah. you know, they're only driving a half an hour versus four, three, four and a half, whatever it is to Madison. Yeah, we, we always knew though when short course was in session because the parties got really crowded. Yeah, because and really crazy. Madison, it was yeah, different. It was just a different. It's like yes. this big group of people that weren't there the last couple months, like when we started, and it's like. Oh yeah, short course started, and then I wonder if they'll three, let three quarters of the short course showed up at the AGR parties. I wonder if they'll yeah, if you could, if you're in short course, if they'll let you uh, pledge to AGR. I wonder, I wonder how that works. I don't know. I don't I know doubt it we didn't that at that point, but that was a long time ago. And Alpha Psi, you'll have to figure that out. Yeah. All okay. right. <laughs> Are that's corny this week. Tyson looking to close poultry facilities in Virginia and Arkansas. So Tyson Foods is closing two facilities that employ more than 1,600 people in an effort to streamline its U.S. poultry business. company said Tuesday it's planning to close processing, broiler, and hatching operations in Glen Allen, Virginia, and a plant in Van Buren, Arkansas. Both closures are scheduled for May 12th. So they said the closures will help better use all available capacity at remaining plants. And these they are based in Arkansas, so they're closing one right in their kind of home state there. And said so it will work with the 692 employees in Glen Allen and 969 employees in Van Buren to apply for open positions at other plants. So I hate to see closure, but at least they seem to be working with the employees and hopefully we'll be able to fit most, if not all of them, in somewhere. But you never know. All right. We'll finish up then with our Field Good Friday. 
And Alice in Dairyland has named six finalists that will vie to be the 76th Alice in Dairyland, including someone that we all know quite well. This is a his home for us today. Just a little bit. So among the six is Jody Weiland, who is a associate consultant here at Tilth Agronomy. She grew up on her family's dairy farm near Nina and is one of the final six. So Let's it's go. pretty cool. Let's go, Jody. Yeah. It's the first time I think I've ever had something to root for when it comes to Alice Dairy. <laughs> just to think, just to tell people that I could potentially know Alice. Yep. That's a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. No good luck to all of them. When do they? It's like in I think May. it's May sometime. Yeah. They, yep, yeah. They f- says the three-day Alice and Dairyland finals are scheduled for May 11th through the 13th in Walworth County. This is a rigorous process. I'm finding out. Yes, yes. yeah. It's not like you I, go one day and you do your thing and you're done. This is like a whole month of stuff because it started kind of end of February, didn't yeah. it? Yeah, or mid February somewhere in there, and then it goes till May now. Did you ever try to be state officer? Nope. No. Okay, because I tried, and that was like, I mean, it was a process, and I, like, I got second, like, I lost, so I was pretty far down, and um, this is way different, like, way way harder than some of those other things. I mean, obviously, there's, what, six or seven state officers, and this is just one One person, person, and there's a lot of people that go for this. I mean, in this day and age, now a lot of public-facing Yes, with this position compared to uh, with state officers, I don't know how many public events. Not do, really. No, you did internal you, FFA. Well, you're, you're, you did FFA yeah. events. Yeah. Right? Your public events are in front of your peers. Well, is not right. really. We're and, Alice in Dairyland and other chapters, yeah. right? And then the other one I compared is like Ferris to the Fair, like especially state Ferris to the Fair, where they yeah. all compete. But that, like, you're outward facing at most of the fairs, not like you say. This is a year round thing, and they give you. I think they still give you a car that runs on ethanol. Right? Didn't they have like a? Could be. I knew one of the Alice's, and Ho- I didn't. Thought hopefully, she we're going to get to learn more about Alice. Yeah, yeah. I didn't ask Jody yeah. about that specific. I'm sure she'd tell us all about it. <laughs> may, yeah, if she gets it. Then we'll, maybe she'll visit us in her ethanol fuel field. No, and I, but yeah, I don't know. Do you have to eat like only dairy the whole <laughs> time, or is there like? I think that is one of the qualifications. Yeah, only drink milk, only eat cheese and Ooh. other dairy products. Uh, so you don't poop for three months, <laughs> yeah. basically, is is how it goes. But <laughs> All right. Well, that'll do it for today. Thanks for being here, guys. Thanks for having us, Matt. So today we looked at alfalfa and things to think about as we wait for alfalfa to come out of dormancy this spring. In our spotlight, we looked at Corteva unveiling four new crop protection products. Egg History Minute, we looked a little bit at the history of how alfalfa was introduced to the U.S. Cool Beans and That's Corny. Our Cool Beans this week was Short Course is Back and will now be held at UW-River Falls. That's Corny. Tyson closing some poultry facilities in Virginia and Arkansas. And of course, our Field Good Friday was six remain to vie to be the 76th Allison Dairyland, including our own Jody Wyland. Go, Jody. So go. All right. Thanks for listening. And as always, happy farming. Happy farming.